All right, good evening, everybody. If you would, please stand, and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing Glory to His Name and then Your Name down at the cross where my Savior died. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood Taylor, they needed to head over to New York uh, early today for starting of camp tomorrow morning. He's got to be there uh, early in the morning, so uh, he left this afternoon to head over there, uh, stay with Joy and their family, and then be there on camp property first thing in the morning. So glad you all were able to make it out tonight to the service. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on the service. How about John Howard? Would you mind doing that? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we can gather together, we can sing praises, we can hear from your word, Lord, we can fellowship together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you too for Camp Sunlight this week, Lord, and the, the lives that will be changed, Lord. I pray that you will uh, fill each of the counselors and the workers with, with your Holy Spirit, Lord, those that are saved, that they might be spiritually prepared, and those that are unsaved, that you might uh, work in their hearts, prepare their hearts for the gospel message, that this week might be the week that they come to know your Son, our Lord and Savior, as their Savior. 
And I do pray, Lord, that you bless this evening and all the traveling that will be going on, Lord. Keep people safe and help us to live lives that do glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please be seated. Well, let's continue in singing hymn number 422. No, not one. And then give thanks. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal our souls, dear Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will die till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. No friend like him. 
would, take your Bibles, and tonight we're going to be in three different passages tonight. Three different passages. We're going to, first of all, turn to John chapter 6. Okay, John chapter 6. So put something and hold it there in John chapter 6. And then we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 14. So John chapter 6, Matthew chapter 14. And then Mark chapter 6. John chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 14. John chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 14. What are they? John chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 14. Oh, you guys are excellent. Awesome. Okay. We're going to begin in John chapter 6, beginning at verse number 16. Okay, so John chapter 6, beginning at verse 16, and reading through verse number 21. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea, and entered into a ship, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship. And they were, what's the next word? Afraid. But he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Let's ask God's blessing on our service tonight, and then we're going to dive right in. Father, thank you again for this opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, I pray that as I preach and as we read these passages of Scripture, I pray that you'd give me clarity of thoughts, wisdom, and direction, and that we'd be able to accurately understand what the text is saying. Uh, Lord, I pray that um, we would be drawn closer to you tonight. Thank you for what we can pull out of these passages of Scripture and how we can make applications to our, our hearts and our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So tonight, I want to draw your attention to a number of different things. Um, but we, really, this is focusing on the storm, right? And the, the disciples in the storm. And uh, we can relate that to certain storms of life. But I want to draw out a different aspect before we get to that storms of life. I'd like to draw your attention. That I, want, I specifically went to this passage first because it omits it something that is found in some of the other gospels. And I wanted to save that for, for this next part. So if you would, would you go with me to Matthew chapter 14? So keep your finger in John chapter 6. And now we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 14. Okay? Matthew chapter 14. And... Man, I was telling you to put your fingers in places, and I don't even have mine marked. All right, I, I have them now. I'm ready to go. All right, Matthew chapter number 14, and beginning at verse number 21. 22, I'm sorry. I was looking at chapter 15. Chapter 14, verse 22. And straightway, Jesus, what's the next word? He constrained his disciples to get into a ship. And they go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to do what? Pray. To pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Go back to verse 22. 
Straightway Jesus, say that word again, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. Now, I think it's interesting because Jesus knows what's going to happen. I mean, there's nothing that can be hid from God. He knows what's going to be happening. And, and, and you know what? When, when I was studying for this tonight and preparing and I was thinking about our Sunday school lessons this morning. And, and you know what? I had never thought of, of the phrase in your Sunday school lesson that talked about that stress was actually can be a gift from God in order to further spiritual maturity in, Christ, in walking with Christ. That, I thought, we do everything we can in our lives to eliminate stress, right? We, I mean, I try to. And I never really thought of it, you know, that God could use that to help me mature in my Christian walk with him. And I explained to the teenagers this morning that, you know, it's not okay that we become Christians and, and at the uh, positional place of sanctification, we stay there. We, oftentimes, that's what happens. We receive Christ as our Savior and, our, and, and we grow for a little while, but then we kind of plateau out. And that happens. It does happen to everybody. But it's not okay for us to stay there. We have to try to do things to overcome those plateaus. Uh, when in college... One of my best friends, his name was Aaron Hilliard, and Aaron Hilliard was five foot four. And Aaron Hilliard, uh, when he was in seventh grade, he actually, he's from Massachusetts, he actually won state wrestling championships against guys who were older than him and in higher grades than him, but the same weight class. But him being a little seventh grader, because he was so good, and I mean, we called him the human cobra because his back had this weird V that was all just muscle, you know? And I remember him telling me, come on, Kaufman, come with me to the gym and let's work out. I'm like, have you seen me? Does it look like I go to the gym and work out? And he said, come with me, I'll help you. And he's like, you know, you can't stay at this one level. And I remember him telling me, he was like, Kaufman, because they always called me Kaufman. Kaufman, I've hit a plateau. I'm like, what's a plateau? What are you talking about? I've hit this plateau where I've only, I'm just here. I can't seem to get past. I've got to change up my routine so that I can get over that plateau, so that I can continue to grow. And you know what? Sometimes in our Christian lives, God allows stress to be in our life so that we can get over that plateau, so that our Christian growth can continue to grow. Now, I, I brought all that into this because Jesus, he, he, it's like he says, okay, guys, get in the ship. Come on, let's go. Get in the ship. It's time to get in the ship and go to the other side before me. And I, I'm going to send away the multitudes. And then in verse 23, he says he's going to go to the mountaintop to pray. But first he constrains them to get into the ship. You know, and, and sometimes I, I, when I read that passage of scripture, I'm like, oh, I know what that feels like when you're dealing with teenagers. Come on, guys, let's go. Let's go. We're going to go play some games. Yep. Everybody's going to go play a game. And then you got this one kid who's like, and I'm like, come on, let's go. And I'm trying to, I'm running next to him. Like, come on, let's go, man. Let's go. And he's like, why are, why are you always rushing me? Like, cause you're taking forever, man. Let's go. But he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. He purposefully sent them into the ship. And then it says in verse 23 that he went up into the mountain apart to do what? To pray. Now, I wanted to draw this aspect out of this because 
when I, when I read this and I think about the story and I feel like Jesus went up into the mountain and I wonder if he could see the disciples going into the boat. I wonder if he could see them going into the boat and I wonder if he could see the wind starting up and starting that sea to be tossed to and fro. And I wonder if he could see his disciples toiling in the storm. And what does Jesus do? He prays. I wonder if he prays for the disciples as they're going through the storm. God, give them strength. Because I didn't tell you this, but do you know what has happened before all of this? Well, it all begins when Jesus calls all of them together and he tells them, go out two by two and preach to every people around in the area, this and this and this and that. And they go and they preach and then they come back. And then Jesus says, okay, you've, you've done a lot of work. Let's go apart to rest for a while. And then as they're going apart to rest, the Bible says that Jesus had a following that kept following him. And it says that he looked on them and had compassion on them because they looked, they were as sheep without a shepherd. And what was he doing though with his disciples? He was taking them apart to go rest, but then he sees the people and says, I have compassion on them. I want you to make them all sit down and the amount of people who sat down was out of the book of Mark, over 5,000 people. And you know the rest of the story. He feeds the 5,000 plus people with fish and bread. And the disciples are tired. They've worked. They've ministered. They've done this. They've done that. They've, they've walked here. They've walked there. They've shared Christ with these people. They've done this. They've done that. And then Jesus says, okay, now let's go take a rest for a little while. But then he sees the people, has compassion on them, says, okay, guys, I know we were going to go rest for a little while, but we've got more work to do. And he tells them, make the people sit. And I wonder, 12, only 12 disciples. I mean, we've fed, you know, how many people in our fellowship hall before? I mean, what's the most people that we've fed in that fellowship hall? Maybe like, you know, I was going to say about 300, right? About 300 or so. That's a lot of work, right? And there's more than 12 people working in that kitchen down there. Maybe. I, I'm not really sure. But they don't ever want me in the kitchen, you know, because there's no, there's no reason for me to be in there. I, it would just be bad. But 5,000 plus people and only 12 disciples to get everybody food. And he sends them throughout that entire group of people to feed them. And they're already tired. How much more tired would they be after the feeding of the 5,000? Oh man, I would think they'd be exhausted. So then Jesus says, verse 22, go back to verse 22, Mike, if you would. Uh, it says that he constrained them to get into the ship and go before him under the other side so that he could send away the multitudes. I'll send everybody away. You guys go in a ship. And then wouldn't you know it, here comes a storm. And they're struggling in the storm because they're tired. They're rowing. They're tired. And I wonder, verse 23, when it says that Jesus went up into a mountain apart to pray, I wonder if it was because he could see them toiling in the storm. And he prayed that they would have strength. But he prays for them. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. 
But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then we know this part of the story. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to see, he sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O oh, thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. So the first thing that I wanted you to see is that Jesus, he sent his disciples into the storm. And sometimes for you and I, sometimes God looks at us and says, okay, this is not going to be fun. And I know this is not going to be fun. And you're my child and I love you. And I wish I didn't have to do this. And I, I wish I could take this for you. But in order for us to grow, I'm going to have to send you into the storm. I'm going to have to send you into a really difficult situation. I need for this to help you for your faith to grow in me. And so he constrains them into the, to get into the ship, to go out to the storm, but he prays for them. You know, God prays for you and for me. Man, I find so, I find such comfort. And the passage of scripture, I wish I would have written it down, but the passage of scripture that says the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't even know what to pray in yearnings in our hearts. And, and sometimes maybe you've been there. You've said, God, I don't even know what to pray, but I'm in such turmoil right now. Help me. And he prays for you and he prays for me. So he prayed for his disciples as they went out into the storm. That was the first thing I wanted you to see. The second thing I wanted you to see was that, uh, oh, 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 give me, let, turn to Mark. Mark, we got to go to Mark now. Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six. And then beginning at verse number 48. Okay. Mark chapter 6. And then, well, let's, let's, let's look at verse 45. Let's start at the beginning. Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before him unto Bethsaida. While he sent away the people, very much like Matthew chapter 14. And when he sent them away, he departed in the mountain to pray. Verse 47, now this is what we don't find in the other ones. When even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land, verse 48, and he saw them toiling in rowing. So he does see them in the storm. It's not like Jesus sent them in a boat, and then he was going to go by himself away to pray, and forgot all about the disciples and what they were doing, but he saw them toiling in the storm. Now you and I, when we go through storms in our life, man, we feel like we're all alone. We, there, this, I am the only person going through this. And sometimes we feel like the only person who has ever gone through this and nobody else understands in my life, but God does. And he sees you toiling and struggling in the storm. Now there are times, uh, in my own kids when I have given them something to do and I have to step away and I have to let them struggle in doing. I'll never forget when we were teaching Jesse how to put his socks on. And he, for the life of him, could not get his sock on. He was struggling to get that sock over his toes 
couldn't figure out, and, I mean, he wasn't five. He's five right now. I mean, this was more like when he was, you know, two or three or whatever. He's struggling to get that sock over his toe, and it's getting stuck on his toes. And I just, I mean, I just want to go and intervene and be like, dude, let me just help you with this. You're struggling, and let me just take care of this problem for you. And let me put, put it on. And he'd be like, Johnny, don't do it. Let him figure it out. Let him work it out, right? And I'm like, but... I can do this so much better and faster if I just take care of it, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And she's like, no, 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 he's got to learn. And I'm over here turmoiling inside of me because I'm like, if I could just take care of this, it would be so much better. But they have to learn. And Jesus, he saw them toiling and he's like, I need for them to learn something. I mean, he could have just snapped his finger. He could have just went like that and blew the storm away without them even knowing about it. But he sees them toiling and he's watching them go through the storm and he's encouraging them, praying for them, saying, you can do this. You can go through this. You will succeed if you keep on trying, if you keep on trying, okay? Let's finish this passage of Mark. So he saw them toiling and rowing for the wind was contrary, verse 48. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea. And I love this. He would have just passed by them. He would have just walked right by them and kept going to the other side of the shore. Or, or the other side to the shore. And it says in verse 49, But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. Now, these are grown men, right? Twelve grown men. Some of these guys are fishermen. And they've been on the water for lots of times. I'm sure they've, they've, I'm sure they've thought they've seen some crazy things in their lives. I mean, you know, you know how the water can play tricks on you. And I, you know what? I never realized how easy it was to get lost on the water until uh, my brother-in-law was like, he was like, hey, when you're driving a boat, you know, and if I ever let you drive my boat by yourself, make sure you recognize the landmarks that you just passed by because when you're out there. You can get turned around and you can get lost. And I was like, I, I thought, what? Are you kidding me? You know, I, I'm a guy. I have like that, that, that sense of direction just inside, you know, you just know, right? <laughs> no, nope, nope, nope. I learned a long time ago, I did not have that built inside my nose or my head, wherever guys say it's built inside. I did not, and I did not have a problem pulling over, going to the gas station and say, I'm lost. I need help. Can you, can you help me? I did not have a problem doing that. And I'll never forget when we came to Vermont for the very first time, me and Hannah, we weren't, we weren't married yet. We were engaged and we were coming up here to visit. I had just flown into Connecticut. I had landed. I had said hi to my future mother-in-law. We were getting married in just a week. We got in the car and we drove all the way up here to Vermont. It only took us about seven hours, but it was only supposed to take us four hours. I hit Middlebury and I got lost. And, you know, I didn't have GPS. I had the, the MapQuest thingy that we had printed off and the Atlas. And, oh, my goodness, I hit that roundabout in Middlebury. And I, I, I got all turned around. I, went, I ended up way out in Bridport. And I didn't even know where I was until finally I saw a gas station. Because, you know, in Vermont, there's hardly any gas stations on those roads anywhere. So I found Pratt's store. And I stopped in there. And I was like, I am lost. Can you help me? I am supposed to get to Victory Baptist Church in Virgins. And they're like, what? Where? Well, they knew, they said, I don't know where Virgins is, but I have no idea where Victory Baptist Church is. And I'm thinking, I am so lost. And Pastor Taylor kept calling me on the phone. Where are you? I'm like, I have no idea. I don't even know where I am. 
That was my first, you know, experience of driving in Vermont. And I kept saying to myself, there's got to be a more direct road. There can't be these roads that go all the way down, down to 25 miles an hour. This can't be. I mean, is this right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, where I came from in Indiana, I mean, it was all highway. You know, you hit the highway and you can get anywhere. You know, anyways. Well, where was I going with uh, Just that, I don't know. It's easy to get lost, yeah. Oh, it's easy to get lost on the water. Yes, thank you. It's easy to get lost on the water. And so they're toiling. They're toiling on the water. I still don't even know where I was going with getting lost on the water. But anyways, all that to just say that... Oh, he was walking on the water. That's right. Twelve grown men in the water. Right. And they, so, so they see this guy walking and he would have passed by them. And then he sees them and they cried out. How does a grown man cry out? You know? Help. <laughs> right. Or, or, ah! or something like that, you know? I don't know. I took the mic off for your sake. That would have been a little loud. <laughs> But they, yeah, you're welcome. But they cried out. And Jesus, it says, for they all saw him, verse 50, and they were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. So number one, Jesus sent the disciples into the storm. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, he constrained them. Number two, Jesus saw them toiling in the storm. Mark chapter 6 and verse 48. And go back to John chapter 6, if you would, please. John chapter 6 and verse number 21. And we're going to pull out our third point here. John chapter 6 and verse 21. It says that after Jesus said unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Verse 21. Then they, let's say the next three words together. Willingly received him. They willingly received him. When I'm struggling and I need some help, uh, it, it's, it's easy for me, even though I need the help, it's easy for me to say, no, 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 I'm all set. Or I'm good. I don't, I don't need help, even though I really do need help. Any of you ever done that before? Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, I don't, for whatever reason, and it's not just men, I know women do this too, but for whatever reason, you feel like, I'm macho, no matter what is going on and the difficulty that, yeah, I've got this, I don't need help, and someone sees you really struggling, or, uh, John, or, you need some help with that? No, <laughs> I'm fine. Does it look like I'm struggling with this? Yep. And you think you need some help. And I can help you with that. Like, nope, I'm all set. I'm good. I don't need any help. Now, Jesus, though, Jesus is, see, this is the thing. We go through those storms of life. And really, we need Jesus' help. We need to ask him, to cry out to him, to call upon him, and to receive him. But instead, we think we can take care of it all on our own. I've got this. I'm good. I don't need anybody's help. I don't, and, and, and God, this is no big deal. I've got it under control. And yet people around us are like, hey, I think, I think you need some help. Can I pray for you? Can, can I help you with that? Can, can I encourage you? But yet we don't 
willingly receive it. John chapter 6 and then verse 21, it says that they willingly received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Um, when it talks about earlier, um, verse number 19, so when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs, uh, the idea here is 25 to 30 furlongs is about six miles um, into the water, about six miles into the water. Uh, um, some of the commentators, when I was studying and preparing, they say that that's a, that was about half the halfway point. Um, where they were on that sea. That was about the halfway point. And so they're about halfway there. And they're rowing and rowing, and yet they're going nowhere. So when we were in college, and uh, all, almost every Saturday, if I, could, if I could, every Saturday, I would go with my buddies, and we would go to the Pensacola Beach, and we would play volleyball all day. We would slam down cheeseburgers on the way there from McDonald's, and we would, as many as we could, so we didn't have to eat anything for the rest of the day. And we would go there, and we'd get to the beach, and we'd play volleyball all day in the sand if we could. And then it was hot, you know, and, and the sand there is not like sand around here. I mean, it's white, and it's bright, right? So you're hot, and you're sweating. And we'd go jump into the, into the gulf, and I am not a good swimmer. But at a certain low tide, you know, you could walk way out and you could hit a sandbar. And that was kind of neat, you know, you could walk way out there and you would actually go down into the water and then come back up and then you'd hit this sandbar. And I mean, you were probably like, I don't know, 300, 400 feet away from, from shore. And we'd go down there and, and one time we hit it at the wrong time and tide started coming back in. And we get out to that sandbar and, uh, oh, we're all having a lot of good time. We're all having fun, you know? And then we are like, oh, oh, the tide's coming in. We got to go back to shore. And, and we're walking and we're coming down the, you know, you're going down into the water and I, and the water is about up here to my chin. And I'm not a very, I'm not a, I'm, I don't, I don't have a lot of force. So I can't really go through the water as it's pushing backwards. You know what I'm saying? And so I get a little bit panicky because I can't swim. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I can see the shore right over there, right? What am I going to do? So I decide to jump and start swimming, you know. And I'm a terrible swimmer, but I, I can at least get me, you know, like a little bit and then stand back up and start walking. And, and I jump and I'm starting to swim. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm like on the verge of starting to panic. And I'm trying to keep it cool, you know. I'm here with all my buddies. I can't be panicking out here. This is not going to be cool. I got to keep it together. So I start swimming. And, and all of a sudden, my one friend, his name is Jeff. Jeff was standing to me. He's like, Kaufman, you're not going anywhere, man. I just was just not even moving. And I'm, I am like pulling the water as strong as I can with my arms. Because I don't use my feet at all. You know, it's just all arms. Yeah. And I'm like grasping at the water and I'm not going anywhere. And I'm thinking, he goes, Kaufman, you're not going anywhere. And he's laughing. And like I said, I'm on the verge of just panicking, you know, so I stand back up and I'm thinking, and I, and, and I prayed a little quick prayer. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> help me not to panic. Help me to just get there. And you know what? Somehow the Lord made help me get there. I don't even know how I did it. I just don't even remember. I just remember all of a sudden there, I was at the shore. I know somehow I got through the water and I got to the shore and I learned a lesson. Don't ever do that again, right? You're a terrible swimmer. Don't ever go out there again when you can't get your way back to the beach. So these people, these disciples, they're toiling 
halfway there, maybe they can even see the shore, although six miles away, that's pretty far. So, so they're, they're halfway there. And I don't know, maybe they can see the shore, maybe they couldn't, especially because of the storm. Maybe they don't even know where they are, but they're toiling and they're going nowhere. And Jesus just walks out to them on, on the water. And he would have just walked right by them. He would have just walked right by them. They see him and, ah! And then they say, oh, who is it? It's a spirit. And Jesus says, it's I, be not afraid. And then in John chapter six and verse number 21, they willingly received him into the ship. When we're toiling in the storms of life, we're going nowhere, nowhere. And then Jesus comes unto you and says, hey, maybe frightens you right? Or something. Willingly receive him. God, what do you want to show me? I need your help. You see the disciples, they let go of their efforts and they let God take control. But you know, what's interesting in this, in this passage, John chapter six and verse 21, let's read that again. Then they willingly received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Immediately they were there. Isn't that neat? So when you receive God into the ship, bam. Now, now I tell the teenagers, I don't want you guys to, to think that when you cry out to the Lord and you say, God, help me with my problems and my struggles. I don't want you to think that as soon as you do that, that God's going to remove it from you. Now he could and he might, but then he might not. He might continue for you to go through that and to really get through it, but with him by your side, with him in the boat with you. Um, so these disciples, they willingly receive him and immediately God brought them to the other side. Now, the fourth thing that I want you to see, turn with me back to uh, Mark chapter six, Mark chapter six. Mark chapter 6, go with me to verse number uh, 49. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. And then this is the verse, verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Whew. So, you know what that tells me? It tells me that sometimes God can do some amazing things in your life. And he can do some amazing things in my life and allow me to be part of something way beyond myself. And I might still miss who he really is. <laughs> He could, he could allow for me to feed 5,000 plus people with only two, uh, I always get this turned around. Is it two fish and five loaves or five fish and two loaves? Five loaves, two fish. Okay. Five loaves and two. I can never keep it straight. I should look it up. Anyways, regardless, the, the bread and the fish, and I might be something, I might be part of something way bigger than myself and yet still miss who God really is. And it might not be until the storm in my life that God comes to me and says, it's I, be not afraid. I'm with you. I will help you. 
And I will carry you through this until I finally say, that's my God. That's who my God is. He will carry me through the storm. We see it in other people's lives sometimes. We see them go, go through some really intense storms. And we see God maybe do some miraculous things. Pastor Taylor talked about this morning about uh, uh, Dave and Vanjie Thompson and patience. And um, I mean, how amazing is that? That she is, get, she is to the place where she is right now. 12, 11 or 12 brain surgeries? And they're talking about releasing her to go home? That's amazing. It truly is a miracle. And we can stand off to the side and we can watch God do miraculous things in people from our church's lives. And yet we still, not, still might not even know who God really is until God allows for something to happen in our life. And then we say, I have experienced it firsthand. I know who God is. <clears throat> it's not a bad thing. It's, it's that growth it's that, it's that growing in maturity. It's that saying, I'm no longer here at that plateau, but now I'm up here because I've experienced who God is and what God can do for me personally, for me in my own life. And I don't know what that may be. I, I don't know if God will even call you to go through a storm in your life. What I do know is this, is that God wants you to know who and what he can really do. He wants you to know who he really is and what he can really do in your life. He wants you to grow in a closer, stronger relationship with him. And sometimes that requires for us to go through a storm or two in our life. And we may not like it. We may want to complain and cry. And, and it's okay to do all those things. It's okay to cry out to God and say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I'm going nowhere. And when God comes unto you, receive him into the boat. Sometimes we need to experience the storms in our life in order to experience who God really is. So number one, Jesus sent the disciples into the storm. He constrained them to get into the ship. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Jesus saw them toiling in the storm. God sees you in the storm and he prays for you. Mark chapter 6, verses 47 and 48. Number three, the disciples willingly received him in the midst of the storm. John chapter 6 and verse 21. And then in Mark chapter 6 and verse 52, sometimes we need to go through the storm to experience who God really is in our life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and that will conclude our Bible lesson for tonight. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us, and thank you for the time that we've had to come and, and be here and, and open up these passages of Scripture and to learn about you. And I pray that you would help us to do that. Help us to open our hearts to what it is that you uh, want to speak to us and how we can draw closer to you. And Lord, if there's anybody right now going through a real storm in their life, it's difficult, it's hard, it's dark, the waves are crashing, they're getting sprayed in the face, maybe they're soaked with all the cares going on around them. I pray that you'd help them to know that you were there and that you come unto us saying, it's I, be not afraid, but be of good cheer. Help us, Lord. Help us as we go through the storms in life to be, to be staying close to you and crying out to you and receiving you. And help us to not forget who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. We're dismissed. <laughs>